this week on Dig Me Out. Dum 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 dum. You're just like just imagining like destruction and fire and bad shit happening. Tim and Jay review self-titled LP by Carp. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, it's episode 167, season four, and uh, we have a uh, we have back-to-back requested reviews from Mr. David Dirty Gert Gorgos. Requested, requested review. review. Jay, you know from our history with Dirty Gert, he always throws curveballs at us. He's a he does. he's a wily pitcher. Yeah, <laughs> he's never throwing heat up the middle. He's always throwing a knuckler or a, a curveball or a changeup or a or um. I'll even throw a couple right at your chin. Yeah, I'll give you some chin music. Last week, he provided us with an interesting turn uh, with Bowery Electric. And to say we're going in the opposite direction would be an understatement, as this week he has provided us with the band Carp and their album, which is titled Self-Titled LP. Jay, are you familiar or were you familiar with the band Carp? No, the name sounds really familiar. Um, even, you know, obviously the spelling with a K. Uh, the album with the the championship, like the world championship belt kind of thing, wrestling belt, is mm-hmm. the one that looks familiar to me, but I, I don't know. You know, I probably just saw it in, you know, CD stack somewhere. And you did watch a lot of pro wrestling in the 80s, so that might be... <laughs> There's that, you might have yeah. had a, a wrestling uh, music compilation CD, which looked like that, mm-hmm. which had, uh, you know, the the intro walkout music of the various wrestlers. Possible. Did you have that? I had that. I'm pretty sure I had that cassette. I, I got really into wrestling, but I couldn't. The music part, I just <laughs> didn't buy into that as much. Gotcha. So, Carp. Uh, I also was not familiar with them. I didn't recognize any of the uh, other album covers. Let's talk about the history of the band. History of the band. Carp formed in. Turnwater, Washington, in 1990 by Chris Smith, a.k.a. Chris Slayer, uh, Jared Warren, and Scott Jernigan. So this is a three-piece band, Jay. They released uh, three CDs. First ass, the The first one was Mustache is Wild on K Records in 1994. The second one, Suplex. Also on K Records in 1995, and then the third and final album, self-titled LP, the one that we're reviewing, on K Records in 1997. They also released a singles compilation called Action Chemistry in 2001. Uh, the two years later, drummer Scott uh, Jernigan died in a boating accident in June of 2003, uh, and then in 2009. Uh, New York-based documentarian 
Bill Badgley, who had been in the rock band Federation X, released a documentary called Kill All Redneck Pricks, which is what CARP stands for, Kill All Redneck Pricks. And that was uh, released in October of 2009, and you can find snippets of that documentary on YouTube. And if you Google Kill All Redneck Pricks, uh, there's a website for that. So check it out. And of course, if you'd like to suggest an album for us to review, head on over to our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. So when suggesting this record, Jay, uh, David Dirty Gorgos gave us some some notes on it. He said, you haven't done anything from the indie label K Records yet, but instead of the twee stuff, I'm giving you the strangest exception to the twee sound. This may be the heaviest band you have covered yet. I don't know. That's a good. That's a debate we could have if this is the heaviest band we've ever covered. That would require rem- remembering all the bands we've covered. True. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, you can think of a band some like difficulty doing that. We've done like Corrosion of Conformity. We've done Therapy. Those were some heavy bands. We'll get into that. And then we did get some Facebook feedback. Uh, David Dorgo- Gorgo says, uh, "Earmuffs, kids." On this one, he simply quotes a. Um, a line from one of their songs, Ding Dong, Fucking With Your Head, I'm Fucking With Your Head, which is from the song Bastard of Disguise. And then uh, Scott Russell Helgram says, these guys like their upper mid-range frequencies, huh? We'll talk about that as well. Yeah. So let's get into this record. Self-titled LP. It's only eight songs. I feel like we can probably go through this track by track. I feel like that's a eight songs that we can cover one by one. So let's talk about the lead track, Bacon Industry, which I don't know why uh, this song wasn't a huge hit. You had the word bacon in it. Bacon wasn't big then. Bacon That's true. Really didn't break out until the mid-2000s when it really became a, a meme. That's a good point. Bacon hadn't reached its heyday, so they were actually <laughs> they were actually uh, ahead of the curve on the... Um, the bacon wave that would sweep the nation. They were. Let's talk about those mid-range frequencies because they kind of hit you right, right at the beginning of this album. Um, no. The guitars are abrasive. Is that a good yeah. way to put it? They're definitely not in the um, polished and compressed 90s sound that you would expect from a band well, releasing an album in um, 1997. Well, they're compressed. They're well, so, okay. Like, that's Yeah different type of compressed maybe but yeah they're like so fuzzed out and compressed that <laughs> the note i had was they almost sound like um do you remember did you have the original atari 2600 oh yeah remember the music the quality of the, like the fidelity of the music that was in the games for that and the sounds they were kind of like um they almost sound like buzzers you're like eh. Uh, uh, you know like really crude like whatever one bit sounds like at times the the guitars on this record are so fuzzed out and compressed that they almost sound like that level of fidelity <laughs> like they're just simplified down to the most basic um waveform that's completely distorted they're also uh not just that it the the sound of the guitars is compressed down but the actual playing, uh, they like their like repetitive riffs. 
on this on this song and on this record. Yeah. Um, I read a review uh, from another website, which I can't remember. It said um, something along the lines of this band never found an A chord they didn't love. Like it does sound like they're pretty much playing this <laughs> the same chord. Uh, there's some variation here and there in rhythm and in tempo and stuff like that, but they really like that. Like, find a chord and then write it yeah. over, write it, hit it over and over again, and bash it into your head. Um, which yeah. there's a lot of things that are bashing into your head with this band, but the the guitars especially are doing so. Yeah, I mean, the, in particular, this song is it's whatever a two chord riff, you know, so or maybe three chords, but. It's and it's very repetitive. There is some cool stuff going on. Um, it's unfortunate because when you, the tough thing when you when you get into this sort of sonic area, it becomes very difficult to find room mm-hmm. uh, for other instruments because you're like I think um, was it Scott that mentioned like you're eating up all the mid upper mid range frequency with this guitar sound because right. it's just like that's where you're compressing it to. Like you're taking all the frequencies above that and below it, and you're pushing them all together so that they just consume that bandwidth so things like you know the high end of a kick drum you can no longer hear anymore and the high end of a bass guitar you can no longer hear anymore like you just you know what i mean it's like eating up all the available space so there's there's some cool drum stuff going on in this tune like i didn't even hear until i hooked up my little better headphones my grotto headphones and i could start to make out that there actually is like some triplet like double bass or double um kick drum accents and stuff going on in the song that hmm. when I listened to it in my car I, I couldn't even pick up you know just you get lost but there's there, there's some cool stuff and there's a, actually a kind of a cool bass line um, in the verse that is doing something just a little bit different than the guitar and if you pay attention to it it, it kind of creates this you know almost a different kind of melodic sense to it yeah you know because you got that just monotonous you know, guitar riff mm-hmm. and the bass is actually kind of doing some accents and things that are a little bit different. just so you know devoured by that guitar sound that it becomes. and then the bass is, is is fuzzed out and compressed too so it's not helping itself but uh, uh lyrically um i couldn't pick much up because it's just it's a lot of screaming i did hear one line where he said i think it, i think he says i didn't google it but i think he says my maserati goes 185 but i lost my license so i can't drive 
which I believe that My Maserati Goes 185 is like from a hip hop song in the 90s. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. Other than that, I, I kind of, I, did you, did you pick up what he was singing? Or? No, I mean, there's some chanty like chorus-esque parts yeah. where you can start to pick up things. I guess folklore, I would describe it as, I don't know, sort of uh, in the heritage of Lemmy, but more screaming. Um, yeah. In terms of delivery, like that's the kind of like melodic sense you get, but it's just, it's, it's more intense than that. Well, it's interesting because they, you know, this is, I guess, what you would call post-hardcore. Is that a fair assessment of what this band is? I don't know. I think yeah. of post-hardcore being a little bit more like, I mean, isn't that like Jawbox? Well, that's the thing I had a trouble with is that there, if you go to like post-hardcore on allmusic.com, yeah. so you get like Jawbox, and then you get Girls Against Boys, and then you get Helmet, and you get Trail of Dead. Mm. Yeah, it's well, this. This band kind of fits in with those bands in a weird way. Yeah. They're certainly unique. I mean, I don't have a ton of, in my notes here, we can keep moving through the songs here, but I don't I don't have a ton of bands that I really pulled out of being similar. No. Especially for this time period. I mean, this is, I think, safe to say fairly groundbreaking, right? I mean, well, I think uh, there, there's some bands since then that I could compare to them, but mm-hmm. not at this time. The um the guitar tone at times and it more moving into the second song forget the minions, uh reminded me of a, a, a kind of an obscure band from the early two thousands Alta May. Yeah, uh, had that big fuzzed out heavy, but I felt like and they had Jack and Dino produce on their second record, so it has that touch. The guitars were less abrasive, even though they were fuzzed out and even though they were heavy, they weren't as mid rangey. I think. They were a little bit more in that, like, Caius and Fu Manchu yeah. sort of range where this... And they, they sort of toned down the mid-rangey, and, and it's a bit more about the, the that big, fat tone uh, that those bands are known for. Yeah, this, the, uh, there's a stoner sort of element to this, but it's, like, more intense, at least right. some of the record is. Uh, the, at least the beginning, for sure, the beginning of the record. It's got a lot more intensity. Than that. Oh, it's like stoner rock, but like pissed off. Yeah, which is kind of, in a weird way, sonically it has similarities, but from a, you know, conceptual standpoint, it's actually kind of the opposite. It's stoner rock doesn't tend to be pissed off or angry. It's more disillusioned or something. And I and I did find myself like, even though. All right, well, this is not something that I would want to listen to first thing in the morning. Let's put it that way. I did enjoy listening to it when I was, like, in my garage with a saw cutting some wood. <laughs> <laughs> like, this was completely appropriate. I was, I was, uh, I'm building some uh, boxes for some raised gardens in the backyard. And uh, I had to, like, trim down the the ends of these boards that I, I bought. And, uh. You know, I got the jigsaw out and I'm cutting them up and I had this blasting. This was appropriate. I could also see like you want to release some stress. This is a good, you know, record to do so, but um, not necessarily something you want to listen to if you're like trying to relax at the end of the evening or on a lazy Sunday morning. Forget the Minions um, kind of points out one of the sonic, the sonically one of the things I'm talking about. So like the intro is very, um, uh, it's mostly some of the bass uh, featured during the intro and. Mm-hmm. It's really 
um, a cool tone. Like it's yeah. distorted and, and comp- you know fuzzy, but it's very full. You get the, all the you know kind of the the rumble, the bass re- frequency, and everything. But then by the time that the whole band comes in, the sound shrinks because the what ends up happening is everything the compression that's on the overall music like it can't support all that so it all ends up just kind of getting smaller when the band comes in yeah the drums like almost disappear you just hear like him smashing the cymbals yeah like because uh that's what you know it's one of those things it's uh individually these instruments sound cool but it's a very difficult to put them together in a way where you maintain that fullness and and in some if you listen to it on it's crazy to say this about this type of music but if you listen like i was saying listen to it on like more of a standard sort of setup it even sounds smaller you know um, mm-hmm. which is like, i think is kind of defeating the purpose of this band you know to me it, it should it should be epically huge and it kind of doesn't come off that way it kind of comes off as like almost tin, tinny or like in in most scenarios like it right. kind of defeats the purpose it's it's actually kind of a small sound sometimes like the melody in this vocally in that song it kind of is a, a bit of a departure from the first one in terms of he's actually doing a melody that's different than the music you know and kind of creating his own little thing the yeah he's kind of playing around with something there that's just not obvious the one band that this reminded me of musically and the sort of aggressive vocal is mccluskey Again, they had a bit of like a, a sense of humor and, and a weird, twisted sort of sense of humor. But as that band grew, they became more vocally, I guess, aware. And the vocal went up front. Whereas a, like a lot of the earlier stuff, it was super loud and aggressive and noisy and more shouty and where this is at. Uh, I would I just I would have liked to have heard and getting into song uh, three, which is the one I quoted from David Gorgos, Bastard of Disguise. You know, I would have liked to have been able to pick out more of the vocals because when I heard them, I was like, oh, that's funny or that's that's a cool line or 
um, the, the melody is cool, but there's so much of it that's like buried within that mid range yeah. that I just and he's just screaming or shouting, and I can't make out what the hell he's saying. That I sort of miss out on that humor or insight that makes them interesting. Yeah, I give him credit though on this song. I mean, going to that, you know, the ding dong, fucking with your head line, and just realizing that's the that's the hooky kind of clever part of the song mm-hmm. and just getting right to it, <laughs> you know, and just playing off of that. I, I kind of like that approach on this tune. It's at least self-aware in that way. You know, I think it could have been probably two minutes long. It's that kind of song though. Right. You know, if you're going to get right to the meat and then not really have anything to offer after that, then just make it like a two minute long song. It doesn't need to be three forty. Yeah. They keep trying to like play with dynamics and quiet it down and, throw in some spastic solos and stuff like that. And yeah, you're right. It could have ended at two minutes and I would have been completely happy with the length of that track. Yeah. It's just like kind of like with the sentiment of that song, it's like, okay, I got it. You know, I there's some other parts of the album where I actually like that. They start to jam out a little bit and wish they would do it more, but that particular song, it's, I don't know. I think it would have been just as effective. They just make it a short little statement, you know? Yeah. Where they start to lose me a little bit is on track four, October Flashed, which I'm guessing is a play on Oktoberfest, maybe. I don't know. It's it's kind of got an interesting guitar riff, but it gets driven into the ground. And then there's just like parts where he's, I'm sure he's screaming something, but it literally just sounds like just screaming nothing at all just to scream, which I don't necessarily want to listen to that. Yeah. He's just like, blah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I like my heavy music, but this is a song where um, I, I do like the riff. You're right; they they drill it in the ground to the point where it loses its uh, luster. It's four minutes long, too. Yeah, just... it could. It would. De- it desperately needs another guitar, another, you know, mm-hmm. some some variety. I kind of like the outro on this, but um, yeah, they start to play a little bit with like accents and shifts and you know sort of the outro is a little bit like you know halftime and different accents and it kind of made me want want them to jam out you know a little bit more and mm-hmm. actually like I, I like some bands like newer bands that are kind of in this area but they do they have a more of a balance of like the songs will be longer, but they're in general, you know, like really good musicians and they'll go to like interludes of just, you know, just jamming. And so that you're not, and then the vocal will come back and you actually kind of appreciate it and then it'll go away. So it's not like always in your face. It's not every, I, I think one of my issues with this record is like, everything's always on all the time. <laughs> you know, it's like right. every aspect of the band is on 11 at every second and it's always, and they're all going at the, nobody takes a break (laughs) you know the singer only disappears for you know 30 seconds or something and he comes back yeah and there's something to be said with the dynamics that they play with for them are fairly big but it's a matter of like the drums and the bass will go will, will keep playing but the guitar will just like let a you know feedback ring out or something for 10 seconds and that's the dynamic you know there's not there's not a like a dynamic where like everything drops out except for maybe the bass and a vocal. You know, it's just, there needed to be a little bit more playing around with that. 
Um, especially when it comes to his vocal, I would have liked to have heard just um, more attempts at uh, actually introducing melody and more, I guess, uh, clearer vocals, just so that I could have a better idea of what's going on. Uh, track four, or sorry, track five, D&D Fantasy. It's where they start to like, kind of, I guess you could say, slow it down a little bit. Yeah, I think this start, this song to me starts this. It's probably my favorite song on the record. Um, but it, I think it does start to show maybe what some of their influences are. So to me, I, I hear a lot of the Melvins in this. Oh, yeah. Um, in the riff and just the kind of odd time accents that they do and how the drums lock up and um, even vocally and, you know. So you start to kind of piece together where this band's coming from. Yeah, there's a clear Melvins influence I think on this band and I'm not, I, I only know like, I don't want to say like the well-known Al- Melvin's albums. Cause I don't know if there's any like well-known Melvin's albums, but like the stuff that like came out in the early to mid nineties, is the stuff that I'm really familiar with. I haven't kept up with the band and I, ha- I don't really know their early, early stuff, but knowing what I know about them. Yeah. This is, this is a disciple of that. I don't know from the Melvins back where that goes to exactly because um, you know a lot of people would be like well Sabbath but Sabbath didn't play this sort of like spastic you know sort of well freak out heavy sludge that yeah it's like taking the sludgy riff approach of Sabbath but interjecting you know like a punk attitude on top of it which they didn't have gotcha um I mean, to me, that's what I hear. I, I like the uh, bridge of this song. Um, I guess it's the bridge. I don't know. You, it almost sounds like it should be the chorus, but they kind of don't get to it towards the until like the last quarter of the song. Um, I don't know what he's saying. Something about we just do it for kicks or something. And then something they like do that. this. Yeah, they, they're repeating it, and they go to this part where they like kind of have a riff, and then he does a scream. And it's just it's well. That whole section of the the song is pretty well done and i kind of wish that they would have used that more as a legit chorus and he didn't have to wait so long to get to it I, this is one of those songs where there's like a bunch of pieces and parts that are really compelling mm-hmm. and i just kind of wish you could reassemble it and from a fidelity standpoint maybe kind of just add a little bit more space to the music and i think you'd have something pretty cool yeah and i think you know you mentioned that about being 
your favorite song on the record. I think I, I really liked We Ate Sand. Um, I think it's them doing again that sort of heavy Melvinist kind of sound. Yeah. It's uh, pretty really dirty. well. It's, yeah, it's got that big. It's even dirt, more dirgier, if that's a, yeah. a word, than D and D fantasy. Mm-hmm. And it's when you, when you slow the guitars down this much, they almost sound like keyboard, like synth. You know, like a really distorted like synth sound. They're yeah, just so like you know, it's just like growling. And the song goes on a, a little too long. It's it's the longest song on the record. I don't know. It's like hypnotic in a sense, in the way that they do it. it doesn't overstate its welcome, even though it's fairly repetitive. Um, I think that that dirginess is what sort of like it's one of those songs where like okay, you can just keep writing that riff out for as long as you yeah. want and I'd be okay with it. Yeah. So that even though it's repetitive and, and some people might get tired of it, like they just find that right tempo to match with that riff and it, you can just kind of like nod your head and it's going to be, cause it's not in like a weird time signature where you're not able to do so. It works uh, for me. Yeah. I'd probably say that's probably my favorite song on the record. Yeah. Um, it kind of feels like a giant wave of, distortion over you you know what i mean mm-hmm. just like relentless like uh way of distortion waves like lapping on a beach you know it's just like whoa, whoa, you know it's just relentless four and a half minutes almost of uh of that so and that unfortunately is followed up by i think my least favorite song in the record which is spelling trouble this is and this is the shortest song on the record it's barely over it's under two and a half minutes but they have these like parts in the song where everything sort of just like dr- not everything drops out, but like the uh, the guitars just sort of or the guitar I should say because it's a three piece. There's just like it sounds like a, a radio tuning or something like that, or <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, like weird frequency kind of like I don't know if it's a it might be a uh, what do you call that instrument? Theremin. Uh, yeah, might be a theremin. It starts off, though, interesting in that there's a focus on the drums, which is cool because for a lot of this record, you forget that there's even a drummer <laughs> other than some cymbals. There's a focus on the drums, and there's a focus on, like, during the intro, intro there's two different guitar parts for being a three-piece band. And for the most part on this record, sticking to that format, it was kind of refreshing to hear, like, them open up that way so you you know you got this focus on drums and you got two different guitar riffs and then yeah it goes into this when it actually kicks into this really chaotic kind of thing with either a theremin over top or the other guitar doing this crazy frequency squeals and wails and stuff yeah and it just it just didn't feel like it just felt like two parts back and forth that didn't necessarily yeah. cohere uh, weren't cohesive together, uh, but it was like, "Hey, we got a theremin. Let's throw it in." So, didn't that was not that didn't work for me that song. And then uh, Jay, the song for you. Jay is for genius. <laughs> nice. This What'd is. Uh, it sounds like the a riff for like a monster lump, like Godzilla lumbering through <laughs> a city and destroying it. You know, it's just got this like. <laughs> Dum 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 dum. You're just like just imagining like destruction and fire and bad shit happening. 
and it has that like that pause where it goes which yeah. is one of oh, the yeah. few moments of drama on the record it's when the uh, Godzilla's fire come out comes out during the pause yes that's when it's when Godzilla like rears back and shoots fire up <laughs> into the air or when Mothra sweeps down yeah and it, there's actually like a uh, a change at the end of the song in tempo where they sl- keep like slowing it down yeah and then uh, there's <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but there's that like bonus t- twenty seconds of uh, he's like singing about the devil and Satan, and there's some finger tapping guitar going on. Yeah, which I guess if you're gonna have a bonus track and you want to be goofy, keeping it to twenty seconds is fine. Uh, it's, it's not a full song, so I, I'm not gonna you know slag on them for that. It's not but, like one of those bonus tracks where it's like you wait eight minutes for it to start and when it does start it's like the sound of like a buzzing sound mm-hmm. and like one piano note <laughs> and you want to slap the shit out of the band that did that or like birds chirping yeah. something stupid like that yeah this actually this is the perfect uh, this is the appropriate bonus track for this band because this is an eight song album that's I don't know what's the length of this album uh, it's barely a half hour so yeah. it makes sense that the bonus track would be 20 seconds long mm-hmm. and immediately follow the last track. It fits within the, uh, I guess, the, uh, the tone of the record. So let's talk about the overall on um, CARP and self-titled LP. Jay, if uh, everything that we've just talked about, uh, if you were going to put that into a rating for this record... Where the album better EP decent single? Where would you find yourself? I'm gonna give a wishy washy re- answer here. Okay. Uh, I think it's a I think it's a worthy album. I'm not sure that it's an album for me. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a worthy album for me, but I feel like there's something. I feel like it's substantial, and I think it's kind of ahead of its time and. I think it's important in some way. Um, if I think of bands like Torch and ASG and like, I don't know, there's even like um, Mastodon and there's just tons of, you know, newer, um, you know, within the last 10 years, metal bands that have tinges of this kind of thing going on. I mean, even like a band like Bob City from Columbus that, you know, we're familiar with from mm-hmm. around this time that, you know, there's some similarities there. And I just think that, um, it's consistent you know it's not like they're committed to what they're doing and and it's pretty consistent across the whole record um i think they know what they're what they're shooting for here and um it's not like they're you know exploring with different sounds and trying to figure out who they are i think it's pretty clear what they're trying to do and who they are so from that aspect i think it's a worthy album i just see myself rarely in a mood or uh, position where i'd want to subject myself to this it's just so assaulting you know it's so intense um it's not something you listen to every day no (laughs) if you do then you you have some issues yeah 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 i'm with you i think i would drop two songs i don't i think i would drop like i mentioned spelling trouble and um october fleshed Uh, other than that i think it works and i mentioned you know this is a this is an album like you that it's got to be for the right time Uh, for me it's uh, doing construction, not construction, right. doing woodwork, woodworking in my garage. 
Right. If you have a if you have a drill, this is a good music to to use with your power drill. But I can see how a lot of people are going to be completely turned off just from this just from a sonic standpoint. It's just not pleasing at a lot of points. So yeah, borderline. It's um, you know at some point you're not. It's uh, there's moments where it's not very musical. You know, we, right? We, we, we some records like that. You know, and you know there's the, that can be expressive. You know, I think you can understand like what's trying to be communicated there. But the bottom line is it's not musical. So some of us can only tolerate that for so long. So if you're you're in that boat, then that might not be a, your thing. But you know, if you like that kind of expression. I think it's a pretty interesting band and a pretty interesting record to check out. Yeah, I concur. If so, you're into punk, punk and metal, you know. Yes. If you're looking for the perfect combination of punk and metal and mid-range frequencies, this is the band for you. <laughs> if you hate low and high end. Right. You want If you believe that our uh, frequencies should be moderate, not uh, conservative or liberal, but <laughs> right down the center... <laughs> There you go. I would highly recommend using a pair of um, earplugs. Reference. reference. Let me start again. I would definitely recommend using reference headphones for okay. listening to this record because the point of those is to be flat, so they're not going to up the lows and they're not going to up the highs. They're going to try to make the most of, of everything. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's the... For me, it's been the best way to listen to this record. It's the only way that I can make out like the other guitar parts and the bass and even some of the what the drums are doing. Gotcha. All right, there you have it, folks. Not only do we give album recommendations, we also give earphone recommendations. Pow. Uh, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback at iTunes. We want to thank our listeners on Radio IO and Stitcher for joining us course you can visit our website digmeoutpodcast.com for weekly updates on what's coming up down the road music news and videos by the bands that we're reviewing each week so that's it for jay i'm tim this is carp we need to thank david gorgos for bringing this to us Uh, another fine suggestion from uh, the one and only Dirty Gert. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. The devil, the devil, is waiting for you, he's waiting to take your mortal soul.